good afternoon. It's noon. It is Believe in Music Week. Now, for those of you that don't know, normally, I'm sure you do already, but we would normally be hunkered down in the, in the wonderful halls of the Anaheim Convention Center celebrating NAM. And with things as they are right now, this is pretty much the best thing we, we, you know, we can do uh, without actually being there in person. We miss it. We miss everybody at the show. Um, but we've been able to make it work and we've got this amazing platform, Believe in Music Week from the NAM team. They've been working extremely hard uh, to get us here. Um, and this is the first session that we're doing uh, this week with Gearing Banjo Company. By the way, if you're watching uh, elsewhere outside of Swap Card, you still can register at attend.believeinmusic.tv. Um, go check it out. Um, but in the meantime, I want to introduce two very cool people as part of the first Deering Live session of the week. We have Mr. Kevin Nealon. Hi, Kevin. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Pleasure, pleasure to have you here. Uh, and Mr. Brian Gesga. Brian, how are you? Very good. Thanks for having me as well. Very All cool. Right. So we kind of know you, but I've got a question right up front for Kevin. Uh, Kevin, this is a pretty important one. But we got to know, to kick things off, to kick off the, the live stream, how would France pump us up to play the banjo? Let me tell you something. Hear me now and believe me later. You know, if you think the banjo is a sissy instrument, you're sadly mistaken. The banjo is the most properly pumped up instrument in the entire universe. All right, enough talk. We're not here to talk. We're here to pick. <laughs> That's all we can ask for. That's all yeah. we can right. We can shut I'm this thing down now. We're done. <laughs> I like Brian's. I like Brian's last name. It's kind of a name like you probably have to um, re-say a lot, Brian, because it's almost like people jarble it. They go, Brian Kessner. That's right. <laughs> Brian Kessner. Right. Or they assume I'm related to Mr. Henry. Oh, right. Yeah, like, well, it's spelled a little differently. <laughs> yes. That's, that's true. Fun times with this one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the reason I brought you both on, I thought it might be a really cool thing, um, is because, I mean, you're both well-respected in your, in your own worlds, obviously. Um, you're both on banjo journeys to some degree, some longer than others. It's not necessarily what you're known for, but it's part of your life. It's part of your, uh, your everyday. Brian, more recently um, than Kevin, perhaps. But you're also both, obviously, really deep into, into art and illustration um, and both wonderfully talented, and, you know. Um, and I want to kind of get into, into the weeds a little bit and, and find out a bit more about uh, both of your, your musical histories and how you got into where you're at now and then start looking at kind of how the two worlds combine. Um, Kevin, let's, I mean, let's start with you first, if you don't mind. You know, I mean, you're pretty well known, obviously, for Saturday Night Live. Um, weeds, fantastic show. Um, yeah, see, Brian's nodding. Um, how did it come about? How did that, how did that journey start into comedy? Well, um, I, you know, growing up, I've always loved, <clears throat> I love the Jerry Lewis movies. I love Elvis Presley movies, Elvis Presley music and the Beatles, you know, yeah. and I was never much of a bluegrass guy. Um, I enjoyed going to coffee houses and listening to bands do like Neil Young or, you know, yeah. performers emulating Neil Young or Crosby, Stills and Nash. I love the harmony. And I was taking guitar lessons uh, since I was 10, learning how to read music from a guy who uh, apparently played with the big bands, although I can never find his name like in the big bands when I researched him, but he was a good player. And, uh, and, um, and I've always loved music. 
And I've always also drew, but I doodled and I never really took less. I never took any art lessons. And um, the guitar lessons I took, I would go home and I would learn the song, you know, whatever it was, you know, and uh, and I would go back and play it for the teacher and he'd correct me. And then he'd give me the new song and he'd play it. And I would just play in my bedroom. And then one day I heard, I went to see the movie Deliverance. People laugh when I tell them this because they think I'm kidding. But, you know, when I heard Dueling Banjos being played, the banjo moved me so much. You know, I don't know if it was that whole Appalachian feel or what, but I, I thought I would love to learn to play the banjo. Although, you know, I'm really susceptible to movies because I went to see the yeah. Benny Goodman story with Jimmy Stewart. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to play the clarinet after that. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> luckily that didn't happen <laughs> i think it was the clarinet but anyway um um so i went out and i found a banjo i think it was like 60 dollars. and if i could give anybody advice that's starting out is to get a banjo that's easy to play yeah. and even if it costs you a little extra money i mean this banjo the strings were maybe five inches off the fretboard <laughs> and at least my fingers were numb or were callous from playing the guitar so it wasn't that brutal but, you know, it just wasn't a good, if there was a good time banjo then from Deering, that would have been perfect, you know? Yeah, and, and, and a lot of beginners don't understand why that's important, that, you know, that hype of the strings off the fingerboard. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Brian, you started out fairly, like, as part of lockdown, right? As part of the, the exactly. quarantine playing banjo. And I think you were saying your, your first banjo was kind of like a, it was kind of like what, what Kevin's describing in many ways. Exactly, like to try to do a hammer on, uh, was impossible, you know. You would yeah. actually need a hammer to do it. Yeah, hammer. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, when I got my new banjo uh, over Christmas, uh, it was like, oh, oh, I got a Deering Vega, which is beautiful. Uh, there and uh, my wife uh, picked a very nice one uh, with your help, Jamie. Thank you. Uh, oh. And uh, it was like playing with butter, right? It was like, oh my God. Like it. So, yeah. Kevin speaks the truth. He he does. It's funny you mentioned Deliverance. I was I was uh, there's an interview on I think it's on Conan with Ed Helms. Have you seen that when he talks yep. about yep. <laughs> how he came to find that again he had the same uh, experience as you. He watched Deliverance um, and uh, the banjo kind of caught his attention. Uh, but the story goes is that he was at camp. He was about 12 years old. I think he was saying. Uh -huh. And they were going to go canoe the rapids as part of the camp. <laughs> the, the instructors uh, at the camp decided the only way for them to really understand what the rapids were like was to watch the movie Deliverance, because <laughs> that's the, they were the same rapids that were in the scene of the movie. <laughs> oh and so they would just fast forward through all of the uh, you know disturbing scenes. <laughs> <laughs> so my my love of banjo came from watching uh, Neb Beatty <laughs> be violated in fast fast speed, which is hilarious. <laughs> Second I also, I also <laughs> took up archery after that movie too. I oh, took up archery yeah. and banjo. <laughs> Quite the Renaissance film. Right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Like a Steve Martin thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, what, uh, we, we, you were playing in guitar in high school, right? As well, Kevin? So you, like, so long before banjo, you were already playing. Were you well, playing yeah, electric, yeah. acoustic? What was, what were you? Yeah, I was, no, I had an electric guitar. It was a Kimberly guitar from Sears. Four oh, yeah. pickup. I still have it actually. Yeah. And I had a silver tone amp, which I still have, which are supposed to be good amps, I guess, because of the old fuse boxes and everything, you know, the old fuses. Yeah. And so I still have that, but I was in different garage bands. And um, it's funny, in the last year, I've just been kind of having a resurgence of the songs we used to play 
in my garage bands, you know, and we, and we had different names like the Soulful Six because we had a Puerto Rican singer once and we did one, one soul song by James Brown, I Feel Good. So we were called the Soulful Six. Another band was called um, uh, Stained Glass and then the Hallucinations. But I played rhythm guitar, you know, and uh, my friend Dave Diazzo played the lead guitar. He was a real good guitar player. He had a melody, Gibson. Yeah, and uh, Sunburst finished, and he was really good. And they went on to be in some good bands, but um, yeah, so I did that. And then I realized that people weren't showing up for practice, so I thought I'm going to get an acoustic guitar and go off my own, you know, be a singer songwriter. And that's so why I started going. To, yeah, I started going to coffee houses from then, and um, you know, watching. But I never got up because it was just seemed too intimidating to get up and sing in front of people. Comedy came a lot easier for me telling jokes. Really? Yeah. So you're you're more comfortable getting up almost. A lot of people who play instruments, they find that they can almost not hide behind it, but having something in their hands, especially, makes them more comfortable. Yeah, than for me, just them and a microphone, you know, for example. Yeah, for me, it was like um, it was just too intimidating. Like I remember I was performing at Zany's once mm -hmm. a couple of years ago. No, more, more like probably fifteen years ago now, or twenty years ago, and um, uh, Earl Scruggs came. Cause um, his son uh, was a friend of mine and he brought him along and uh, he was sitting right in the front row with his wife. And yeah. um, I would look at him occasionally and I could tell he wasn't getting anything I was saying. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I knew he was coming. So I brought my, my banjo. I have a Liberty banjo from the Liberty banjo company. At yeah, the time yeah. I was using yeah. that and I brought that for him to sign. And he came to the green room afterwards and I took the banjo out and he says, play a song for me. And I immediately just, I started sweating, you know, and I took the banjo out and it's like, I could, I couldn't even, it's like, I'd never played the banjo before. I just couldn't play. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, he's very nice, but I said, I'm sorry. I just can't, I'm too, I'm too scared to play in front of you, but he signed <laughs> it for me. And I still have the, uh, I have my song, uh, my song book, my book of banjo, you know, banjo songs, Earl Scruggs banjo that he signed and, and my banjo. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a really yeah. cool story. That's right. How long have you been playing? Though I've been playing since I was eighteen. Okay, so so that's you know it's been like almost a little less than fifty years. And you play like uh, what we call like a three finger, like a bluegrass. Style, yeah, I play right? three that's finger, your... five you know five string, three finger. But I just started getting more into claw hammer and claw grass. You know, I got uh, the the claw grass banjo from you guys. Yeah, yep. which I love. It's a really nice banjo, but too nice for me. But um, for me, it's therapy. You know, I don't really play with anybody or perform out. I, I love the the notion. I used to go to the um, bluegrass festivals with um, Paul Morrissey, who owned Liberty Banjo in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. He introduced me to all of that. And we get in his van and we go and we just set up. Twice I went with him and he had a tarp that came out from his van and a tent that he slept, we slept in and, and he would sell banjo parts, you yeah. know, Liberty Banjo parts. And then I would watch all the people play in the parking lots, you know, as they do and just jam. And, and I was always too intimidated to play with them, you know, mm. but I, I love that whole notion. And I would, I remember driving down to um, Kentucky with him in the van and he would turn me on to all this bluegrass music, the seldom seen, you know, Bill, Mo Bill yeah. Monroe and all that stuff. And um, to this day, I have fond memories of that, but uh, you know, I don't, I don't, the only person I really started playing with was with John McCune. From the nitty gritty dirt band. That's pretty cool. Steve Martin. Steve Martin when I would play. If you're gonna have some people to play with, there's some good guys to play <laughs> <Yeah>. with. <laughs> yeah, those those guys are good. But it's amazing how quickly you learn when you start playing with other people, and they start showing you things. You know. Yeah. 
and I do think like that's part of the banjo and and further out, you know, the, the bluegrass uh, folk community seems to be uh, just far more, you know, overall, I find it a lot more welcoming um, as a genre when you yep. can just go and they'll show you things and they want you to, to kind of succeed. Mutually. They're much more patient. They want more people yeah. to be, it's like they want to um, reproduce more people to play that music because they're afraid it's right. going away. <laughs> we need more people to keep this music alive. There is that. And, and you know, we're, we're doing our part to kind of give as much education as we can, like as far as lessons and technique and stuff like yeah. that. But certainly the, you know, the quarantine, there seems to be a, um, any, any string instrument probably, but certainly with us, uh, we're seeing a lot more people pay attention to it and, and wanting to get into it, probably priming themselves for when we can all get back together again and, and jam, you know, go to an yeah. IBMA or, or a festival. And, uh, and also, I think, I think there's a lot better players now because of YouTube, you know, you can yeah. easily go on YouTube and get a great lesson. You don't have to, you know, pick the record, the needle up and put it down on the record, which is right. impossible for banjo, you this know, is true. But um, but now you you know you have somebody sitting there playing it slow motion for you you know and yeah if you want to learn true. you can learn there's some really good apps as well ArtistWorks are doing a great thing uh, they have Tony Trishka on there um, oh, yeah. doing uh, that doing down. lessons and also uh, TuneFox is another one uh, which is more of a, an app so you're kind of left to your own devices but you can take a song and they'll teach you the lead they'll teach you the, the rhythm part and then you can loop certain segments of the song and just repeat it until you get it down it's a, it's a real cool oh yeah um intuitive uh app to, to try out if you're into it what, what i loved a lot on the banjo i don't know if you've done this yet brian if you've played with anybody where they harmonize with yeah. the banjo yeah. that yeah. like that is such a cool thing mm -hmm. you know like if you're playing any particular song they just take that harmony part of it and it's like wow this is great yeah. I, I was able to play with one other uh, uh, person so far, and uh, he's much more experienced. So he told me, he's like, hey, just because I'm learning claw hammer. So he's like, just do your claw hammer strum, and I'll fill in. He's like, you just play rhythm. And I did, and he just filled it in. And I, it was the first time I'd ever felt, oh, this is the connection between musicians. Right. And yeah. it was amazing. And that harmony was there. It was, it was great. That's a lot of fun. But sometimes like if I'm playing with other people, mm -hmm. they think I'm really, really good. And my, my, the thing that scares me the most is this look when they turn to me, they go like this. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Everybody knows what that means. <laughs> yeah. <Yep>. No. Nope. <laughs> I'm happy just here. You guys play. I'm just going to be plucking a little bit. Right. <laughs> That's like the knowing the most strings. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. It's all you. <laughs> take it. Take it. <laughs> yeah. If you're new to playing music and you don't know what that means, yeah. you're going to find out either one, one way or the other, right? And you can just yeah. say, nope, nope, I'm good. <laughs> There's a difference between that look and ending the song look. They're very similar. The take it yeah. look is like this. Yeah. And the ending of the song is like this. <laughs> <laughs> the subtle cues yeah <laughs> i love it i love it brian what about let's talk about you for a minute um because again like i mentioned you've been playing since really the if i remember correctly you told me that your 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 wife started playing ukulele during yeah she started ukulele kind of the first lockdown and then mm -hmm. she started learning banjo from from her teacher is that is that accurate that's right that's right yeah she started back in march because she'd always wanted to play that instrument uh she's an artist as well and uh, then she found this really great teacher, local teacher, and it, he mentioned that he also taught banjo, but he specifically said 
he only teaches claw hammer and Irish banjo. And I was like, oh, interesting. So that sent me down the rabbit hole of claw hammer versus bluegrass. And um, I was like, oh, I kind of like the old timey feel of the claw hammer. Yeah. And if I can, you know, if I'm going to go the distance of learning banjo, which is such a interesting and unique instrument, I might as well be that much more of a hipster and learn like the old timey version. Right. Right. So um, that was back in March. And so it's really been just a few months. Right. Like yeah. till now. But I've fallen in love with it. The first drum when you strum on a banjo and the first one I played was uh, my brother's actually, he okay. let me borrow it. Um, and uh, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm hooked. And when I could learn those first three uh, chords of rainbow connection, I'm like, okay, go. <laughs> I'm good. Cause Kermit was the one who got me into the banjo. I, I was, you know, about the same time of deliverance, but I was yeah. a little younger. So uh, Kermit, Kermit's <laughs> the unsung hero of banjo. Yeah, uh-huh. I think there are more people out there, yeah. uh, we, we, you know, which is kind of your world, right? I think a lot of people <laughs> who maybe don't know uh, what it is that you do. Why don't you, you know, introduce kind of your, because you're not like on screen in the same way that Kevin is. No, but people will recognize your work and know what you've been involved with uh, yeah, from an animation standpoint. Sure. So for the last 25 years, I've been working in uh, animation um, and more specifically at Walt Disney Animation Studios. Yeah. So I've been fortunate enough to wear several different creative hats uh, on a lot of movies. My first movie there was Tarzan. Yep. Uh, and then the most recent movie I worked on there was Frozen 2. And so worked on all the movies in between, uh, which was pretty special because it was kind of like my childhood dream, you know? Um, And so I've been in the story department. I've been in the background department and also character design as well. So uh, it's been kind of nice to actually get a dream job. Yeah, absolutely. And do you work on on digital tablets there? Is that a Wacom or... Yeah, now we do. Now yeah. it's it's mostly Wacom. Uh, there's a few. Um, what was great, and and I should say, I'm no longer at Disney. I'm now independent. But uh, what was great was when I was there. You had a couple people that were there from back in the day, right? That mm-hmm. just you know, and those guys would still draw on paper. In fact, the story wow. panels I have behind me, framed up there, are from my friend and mentor. Bernie Mattinson and his first movie at Disney was Lady and the Tramp. Wow. So uh, he could always win an argument in the story room when uh, he'd say, well, Walt would do this. Uh, and we're like, okay, you win. So yeah, uh, most of the studio is digital. Um, and, uh, but there are a few that can still, it's like John Henry, right? They can still beat out the digital stuff uh, yeah. just because they're that good. Wow. Yeah, we one of the greatest things about quarantine, I will say, is is having Disney Plus yes. and introducing our kids to all of the original Disney movies, all the hand-drawn ones. Like Robin yeah. Hood is my daughter's favorite right now, and she's just watched oh, it awesome. 100 times in the last couple of months, I think, and it's uh, it's my favorite too, so I just watch it with it. It's great. Love it. Yeah, <laughs> so good. So good. So so yeah, so you've you've been playing for almost a year, which is about as almost, long as we've yeah. been going through this this craziness. What was it about the banjo? Are you from a musical family, or are you? I am actually. That's that's the funny thing 
is my parents are both musicians. My brother's a mu- musician. Uh, I'm the only one that's not. Uh, and I think that my talent just went into visual arts as opposed yeah. to, to music. But um, because I grew up around it, it was always very uh, important to me and always a huge part. In fact, whenever I'm drawing, especially rough drawing, and and Kevin, I'd love to hear what you think of this too, but I'm always listening to music, right? And I try to cater whatever the subject matter is that I'm drawing to a certain Spotify playlist or, or I'll put a certain yeah. piece of music on just to help me get that much closer in, in the zone. Uh, so, so that really, really helped me. And so when I picked up the banjo and started to play, it was that first kind of aha moment because I'd always spent all my time. My parents sent me to piano class and I think I did one lesson and said, you know what? No, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'd rather just draw. Um, and uh, so they gave me that space. Uh, but now coming back around to it, I, I get it. And, and I can hear it. And it's that feeling when you play. And again, uh, like Kevin said, just, just really more just playing for myself. I don't have any, you know, goals of getting out there and, and playing, but it sure is a nice way to spend some time in the backyard, you know, it's therapy, especially Kauai style. Like it yeah. really is like you can, because you don't necessarily need the ensemble. Like bluegrass is, is awesome. And I, I think it's a, a fantastic. It's better in my opinion, anyway, when you're surrounded with a mandolin and an acoustic guitar oh, and, and yes. all these kind of um, uh, added characters, if you will. But the claw hammer style as well as you can, you can kind of lay back and just be by yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it sounds you can sing with it and just accompany yourself along the way, or you can jam with people as well. That's my personal take on it. Kevin, would you agree with that? Because you, you said you're yeah. starting to kind of no, I love, I, I have, I kind of came late to the claw hammer um, world. You know, I've been playing three finger style for a long time and but the claw hammer really to me is pure old-time appellation yeah. banjo you know it really has a, a a heartening feel to it that is unlike the three although i love the three fingers still but it's they're two separate kind of things obviously and the uh the claw hammer it just it's almost like you're accompanying yourself with it you know you're playing rhythm guitar rhythm banjo and also you're playing the lead you know, it's two different things. I think the hardest thing for me is to keep my nails long because my nails yeah. keep breaking off, you know, and mm-hmm. I've tried the, uh, you know, the synthetic ones where they glue them on and stuff. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's like constantly attending a garden. You know? yeah. Yep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, we get asked that quite a lot. I think, you know, my colleague, David, who's in, in the background there, he, he has a lot of tips for that. But uh, yeah, like we do, a, we make a pick, especially for Hammer. People go to uh, nail shops and have, you know, you say nails put on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Johnson does that. I know that much. Um, yeah. Probably important at this point because there's a lot of people who know during and no banjo probably tuning in, but there's probably a lot of people who don't. Um, for anyone wondering, uh, Kevin, you want to you break down the three-finger style and why it's different from a claw hammer style? Um, as, as best as I can, yeah. Three-finger yeah. style, is, is it was introduced by Earl Scruggs, I believe, right? Right about that, yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. basically, like, yeah, you, you have three picks, two that go on your middle finger and your forefinger, and then a thumb pick. And it's it's basically different rolls. You know, it's forward and backward yep. rolls and, and all kinds of variations of that. And um, and it's a it's kind of a melodic kind of a tune, whereas a claw hammer is more of a 
you know, a hammer and strum, yeah. hammer, strum, you know, pick. Um, There's but, a rhythm to it as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the bluegrass is more of a driving force, you know, and it's more crisp and clear. Bluegrass is, like I said, it's almost like a whole, there's a couple people playing, but it's yeah. really just, you know, one hand doing it. So that's basically the difference, I think. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not an expert you know, <laughs> dissecting the differences. In the no, I'm interested to hear what you thought. Yeah. But, um, but they certainly, they're both great. I love them both. Um, mm -hmm. Are there any other ones? I know there's claw grass. Mark Johnson's like the foremost, <clears throat> I think, expert in, in, in claw grass, right? Bluegrass is kind of his own thing, and, and yeah. it's essentially playing bluegrass in a, in a claw hammer style. So he, the claw uh, grass banjo that you have, and uh, it's the same one that Steve Martin would play as well. And so the story goes that, that Steve heard Mark, I think, uh, play uh, on an album somewhere and, and flew him up to New York to teach him how to play this particular style. So a lot of what he does with Steep Canyon Rangers is in that style, uh, and he plays a, a deer in claw grass when he does that. And then he switches over to, he has a, a couple of um, older uh, Gibson banjos, I think. Um, yeah, those guys. More of a three-finger style, yeah. Those guys love the old, all I hear about is the Granadas, you know, yes. the Gibson Granadas. And they somebody found a 1934 Granada in a garage right. or something, you know. Right. And, uh, so they, they do love that. Mark Johnson, though, I met him. You know, it's funny how fast time goes by. It's got to be maybe 12 years now. Yeah. Mm. He's a but, sweetheart of a guy. Yeah, sweetheart. Talk about having patience and teaching you and yeah. showing you. But I remember him telling me that uh, with the clawgrass, he would go to bluegrass festivals and he would get into a picking group. And he wasn't, from what I remember, him saying he didn't feel very welcomed the way he hmm. played. Yeah. Because I guess it wasn't like a specific style people were used to. And I yeah. could have this wrong, but I think that's what he told me. There's a lot of tradition in that world. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the right way or no, or no way sometimes. As long as you're playing so. the right style. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I think that's starting to kind of dissipate and people are opening up more a lot more. And, you know, Mark Johnson was a was a Steve Martin Banjo Award winner several years ago. Yeah. Um, and so he's, he's definitely proven his worth. And he's one of the guys that would ordinarily come to the show. Um, and like you say, like he would sit around and anybody who wanted to, to kind of just ask questions, not only would he answer them, He'd grab a banjo off the wall, stick it in your hands, and sit with you for as long as it took for you to get that, that first lick down. So that idea of trying to further the cause, if you will, you know, and, and help people understand and get into it and get excited about it, that he's an absolute marvel. Yeah, he's got, he's got a great tutorial um, CD out, a DVD or online, whatever it is, uh, teaching it. And I remember I had a stand-up gig in Tampa, Florida once. Yeah. And um, John McCune from the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band, as a friend of mine, he came and, and Mark came because they both lived in Florida. Yeah. So they came to my hotel beforehand and um, we all sat around the room and we played banjos before my gig. And That's then they cool. came to my gig and they played at my gig. Yeah, and before oh, me, they wow. got up and they played. Yeah. And I think that's I pretty cool. Yeah, that was, I was really excited because, you know, when you're doing your stand up, you kind of get bored, you know, you're just doing your thing and it's just you and some opening act. But now I had these two guys that were fantastic banjo players <laughs> on stage and I get to show these people what great banjo players they are. And, you know, and, and I think they probably, you know, um, made people fall in love with the banjo that night. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great. I, I think that's the way forward. Um, Brian, you know, you fell in love with the banjo quite as much as the, you kind of centered a whole new project. 
around it, which is kind yeah. of how we met anyway. I want to bring this in because I think it's really cool. Tell us about Buster and his haunted banjo. <laughs> so um, when I'm learning something new, uh, like a new hobby or a new skill or something, I always manage to bring it back into drawing because drawing is like my passion and my yeah. first love and all of that. And on top of that uh, would be storytelling, right? It's just kind of what my day job is. So I can't help but have that creep into the evening hours projects, right? And so um, every year there's a drawing challenge on social media called Inktober. And uh, Inktober was started by an artist named Jake Parker. And it was uh, actually what we were speaking about earlier it was a call to artists to put away the digital media and for the month of October, do one ink drawing every day as a way to just kind of build up your skills and get back to the basics of inking and drawing and that sort of thing. So I have participated in that challenge uh, multiple years. And this year um, I kind of gave myself, uh, each year is a theme, like one year I did dragons, one year I did mermaids. And, but there was never really a narrative to it. It was just random dragon drawings. Mm -hmm. And so this year I thought, oh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to try to tell a story. So every drawing each day um, was going to uh, tell the story of this little hobo skeleton and his haunted banjo. And on top of that, um, I always love improv. I've taken a few improv classes here and there, and it really helps in animation to have some acting and, and improbabilities. So I thought, why don't I try to improv a picture book in October? So I would do an illustration and in the illustration would be a choice. And then whoever was following uh, that post could vote, you know, so kind of choose your own adventure sort of thing. Ah. Um, and so um, I had the general outline of where I wanted the story to go, but uh it was really up to the audience to help me get there, right? And make these choices. Uh, like the first image was um, uh, Buster arriving, hopping off a train, and he sees that old kind of cartoon sign that says, do you want to go to the pier or you want to go downtown? And I left that to the audience. And then um, decisions like that uh, went through. So it was really fun. It got a lot of traction. It att attracted a lot of banjo players. I noticed I was getting even more uh, followers uh, of my art that were actually banjo players and that they loved that the banjo was being represented yeah. in a fun kind of cartoony way. And so, yeah, I uh, got the attention of, of one of your employees uh, yeah. as well at Deering. And um, we decided to put on a show, a banjo review and part of raising funds for that was to help our friends who were performers and uh, been out of work, right, with the quarantine. It's, it's one thing for us as artists who have, you know, a sketchbook we can always draw on, but people right. in the performing arts have that kind of taken away. So um, we reached out to you and collaborated on an actual banjo uh, yeah, that we made, that we're making 13 of, 13 haunted banjos. Yep. And they were all uh, funds were raised for those to go to those artists. So kind of a cool collaboration. That's yeah, great. it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think they're, they're all gone, right? We, we, you yeah, they, they sold out in 48 like hours, which yeah. was 
pretty amazing, which is really, really cool. So th those are in the works. I have samples next yeah. to my desk here, and they're, they're very cool. A uh, really cool project. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's such a tie-in, right? It brings everything together. I find it really interesting. Uh, you know, you as kind of a, maybe a non-musician over the years, but you've taken it up and that's kind of inspired you to write this, yeah, uh, and illustrate this whole thing. How do you think, you know, music affects or kind of intertwines? And this is kind of a question for both of you, I guess. How do you think it intertwines with uh, your worlds of illustration and, and creativity in that sense? But, uh, well, you know, Brian yeah. was talking about um, when he's drawing, how he listens to music, mm -hmm. which can really set a mood. It's like if I'm drawing like, say, Eddie Vedder, I'll listen to Pearl Jam music, mm -hmm. you know, and kind of get into that mood. And I think it almost kind of like um, channels it, channels it into the drawing a little bit. You know, it's it's uh, it certainly uh, helps me when it comes to drawing. Yeah, and you, for anyone who doesn't know Kevin Nealon, I didn't know this, I'll be honest with you, until I started checking out your Instagram feed about two months ago. Also a phenomenal illustrator. When did that come about? That's something that's kind of been, um, you know, um, brewing in me for a long time. When I was a kid, I remember being, I lived in Germany when I was a kid and oh. we went to this military base. My father worked for a helicopter company in Germany. We weren't in the military, but we, I went to school on a military base and I went into the commissary and some servicemen had drawn a picture of another, uh, like a private on a uh, napkin, you know, with the cap on and a big nose mm -hmm. and a protruding chin. And he left it on the table and I was so mesmerized by that picture and I would recreate it over and over again. And I just loved it. And from that day on, I think I just became interested in drawing and, and sketching. And even in high school, I never took any lessons, but you know, in high school and history class, you'd have to draw the maps and you couldn't trace them. You'd have to look at them and then draw it on another separate piece of paper. I think that was really my first kind of art lesson, you know, where I started learning how to recreate what I was looking at. And then I just started doodling and, and my parents uh, had their caricatures drawn in Paris by a really good caricature artist. It wasn't your typical caricature artist, but it was really good and different. And it was in pastels and colored and they were each framed and hung in my uh, bedroom growing up. And I would always be looking at that, those caricatures and when I lay in bed. And so it was kind of like, just kind of cemented into my mind. I'd study the, the colors and the way the strokes went and the exaggerations. And, um, and then not until about and then when I was on SNL during the table read, we go through all the sketches, you know, and reading them. And sometimes it was a laborious, long process and I would get bored and whatever sketch we were on, I would just start doodling the person across from me, whether it's Chris Farley or, you know, Dana Carvey or whomever it was. And I do it in the margins on the script. And so most of my scripts, you know, when I got back, they had had pictures of people drawn on them. And then, um, People really seem to appreciate, I don't know if you get this, Brian, but when you're drawing, people are so amazed that you can draw, you know, they go, wow, that's, how do you do that? You know? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of like the feedback that people were giving me. And I started doing caricatures of people and friends and they, they just loved it. And they get for gifts. They give me like, you probably get this, Brian, you get uh, sketch pads, you know, and pens, yeah, yeah. give you that, you know, oh, I know what to get Brian. Let's yeah, get a sketch yeah. pad and pens, you know, uh -huh. and, uh, or they go somewhere, they bring back a pen from Scotland or whatever. Cool, yeah. And, and so I was sitting at LAX two years ago and um, I was on Instagram looking at different artists work caricatures. And I saw this one guy who was offering art lessons in, in England. 
hmm. and via Skype. So I signed up for 500 pounds. I think it was for six weeks or whatever. Uh, he would teach me how to draw. And that's when I first got introduced to tablet, you know, uh, art, um, you know, um, you know, um, like Wacom and digital yeah. art yeah. and Photoshop. You know, mm-hmm. I thought we were just to be sketching on paper. And right. so unfortunately, about 70% of the class was trying to teach me how to use Photoshop, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but he was really good at it. His name was Paul Moise at Moise Paul, M-O-Y-S-E Paul. And, uh, and he re- really got me going. And there's this other illustrator. I don't know if you ever heard of him, Siler, Jason Siler in Chicago. He just no, did no. the, uh, the president and uh, Kamala Harris on the cover of Time Magazine. Oh, He's a great illustrator. Wow. Oh, and uh, and a character artist too. So he's been kind of my mentor. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The drawings are really good. And I encourage people to take a look because, you know, a lot of times when people hear caricature, they think of the carnival style, right? The, the, the right. big heads. Yeah. And that's not what this is. It's a, it's a different form of portraiture that you do so well. So Credit oh, to your talent you. and your teachers because they're well, they're really nice. That's you, real. You posted one yeah. fairly recently of uh, of Chris Folly, I think, right before yeah. yeah. Christmas. That was it. Was just spot on. And Tommy Boy, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah my art, my so art um, Instagram is Kevin Neal and Artwork at Kevin Neal and Artwork. Yeah, and I just post the drawings I do there. But I, I am coming out with a book. Um, oh, cool. Cause you know how you get people say, Hey, you should do a, a calendar or you should do a book or a coffee yeah. table book. And yeah. so, you know, I've, I wanted to do a book just about stories from my uh, life in the entertainment business, you know, meeting all mm-hmm. these different people and musicians and stuff. And, um, and then I thought it might be fun just to, um, you know, have a book of anecdotes, but whatever the anecdote is about, do a caricature of that person that it's about. Amazing. So I thought maybe like 40 different pictures of different That's people cool. and then the antidotes that go with it. That's great. And is that coming out this year? Well, I haven't, uh, I just got with a book agent. So okay. we're going to start uh, pitching it to different people, but um, I figure I could finish it. Um, you know, with digital art, it's a little quicker than doing oil paints and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I could probably do like a, a, you know, like a painting a week. Cause it takes me a long time. I'm not like you, Brian, I can't go fast. <laughs> it takes me a long time and right. I got to race stuff and you know, it's, uh-huh. and I'm never really finished, but I just end up posting it, you know? Right. Right. They look great. They look great. Do, do, does music or a certain genre of music uh, kind of keep you focused while you're, while you're drawing either of you, or is it just kind of whatever the mood is that, that kind of keeps you going? For me, it's uh, a lot of times it's movie scores because okay. um, I'm trying to kind of tell cinematic stories with my storyboards. So, you know, the Lord of the Rings soundtrack is a good go to uh, anything. John Williams, James Horner, yeah. that sort of stuff Very is cool. really good. Um, but if I'm doing character work, it will be a little bit more eclectic. Like it's more like kind of the feel. Give us some examples. Uh, well, like uh, if uh, uh, for Buster, when I was coming up with the little skeleton, there's a lot of Tom Waits. Oh, a cool. Lot of, yeah. You know, just grizzled, yeah. you know, moody, dripping with mood, yeah. uh, uh, kind of sound, uh, darker sound, maybe some Tim Burton, or, I'm sorry, Danny Elfman music. Yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. What, what uh, era Tom Waits are we talking about? There's a, there's a pretty broad span of. That's true, um, and I'm not <laughs> that good with my history, but it's probably his stuff in the 80s yeah. that I was listening to the most. 
Um, and so, yeah, I really kind of, and it's funny, my iTunes, uh, is, is almost a history of the projects I've worked on. Cause I name all the playlists for either the movie or the sequence okay. of the movie I worked on. So, um, yeah, it's a fun way to kind of go back and look at the stuff I worked on through music. Yeah. What about you, Kevin? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a multitasker, so I like to kind of learn things as I'm doing other things, you know, so I'll listen mm-hmm. to podcasts okay. or I'll listen to music. But the interesting thing about me is I will listen to the same song over and over again. I'll put it on repeat. Like lately, I've been listening to a version of Here You Come Again by Dolly Parton off the Dumpling, uh, Dumpling original. It's with her and uh, Wyla Amai, I think her name is. It's yeah. a great, a great uh, duet they do together. So I would just, I mean... I have to listen through the headphones. Otherwise people in my house get angry that it's being played so many times where it becomes just part of um, the ambiance background for me, you know, and it sets a mood for me or I'll listen to, um, you know, Todd Rundgren yeah. mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash, you know, stuff from the seventies yeah. usually. Keep you zoned in. Yeah. But I do want to learn. I do want to become more familiar with bluegrass music. So I also try to like play a lot of Bill Monroe, Mm-hmm. You know, and revisit some of those bands and some of the newer uh, Bella Fleck, and um, yeah. just to kind of have that going. You know, there's we've been doing Daring Live now since uh, well, since really like um, April when it all shut down. But we've been bringing guests on since about May time, uh, and we've had some really cool some of the some of the people releasing new albums, more original music. It's just it's just so fun to see, like Trey Wellington check him out like he's a phenomenal player and he's doing things that are maybe a little different chris and scott benson graham sharp all these people that are revered you know in the bluegrass world um and they're just they're, they're all phenomenal musicians and they're taking taking banjo into different areas maybe that it hasn't been pushed or oh, they're keeping it kind of traditional but with you know a modern twist on it it's um it's definitely worth checking out as well yeah 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 all right, so we've been going 40 minutes. I want to see if David's there to take any, see if there are any questions from the chat room. We've got a couple of different chat rooms open right now. Sure. Yeah, we, hey, how y'all doing? We do have a couple of questions on the chat room. One, Kevin, uh, somebody's wondering if you're ever going to take a banjo on hiking with Kevin. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, you know what? I did do the, the, the title song has some banjo in it, the theme song. <laughs> which was actually uh, created by Brad Paisley. We did it at my house. He had his his laptop there, and we just took like tin cans and a little bit of banjo, a couple of notes on the banjo, and he mixed it all together and made a nice little theme song for the hiking with Kevin. But uh, I don't think um, the banjo is really heavy, you know, so to take a banjo <laughs> on a hike, that's one of the reasons I took up the uh, – you know, claw hammer is because it's a lot lighter than a three finger, you know, bluegrass style banjo. Good, good time. Good times are four pounds. Good time. It's a four good travel pounds. instrument. Yeah. It's a great travel instrument. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Um, and then uh, for both Kevin and Brian, what are, what are some of your favorite songs that you like to play on the banjo? Well, I'm still learning. So my catalog is pretty thin. But definitely uh, Rainbow Connections up there. Uh, it's like, come on, is there more of a banjo anthem other than maybe uh, the dueling banjos? <laughs> right. Uh, which I'm not there yet. Uh, but like, yeah, you play that and and it it feels good. 
Yeah. Uh, so, but I'm I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot of the old timey tunes, um, and uh, yeah, I'm getting there. But it's funny with Clawhammer, I found and what's helped me actually, because in trying to learn an instrument before, like piano, um, it, it's you really have to focus. You have to work every day and practice. And I found with Clawhammer. Part of that is learning that strum, that bum diddy strum. And that I can do, you know, you can, if you got a show on, you can just practice, right? And and get good with that. And so I was able to get good with a component, which then unlocked the next level. So I feel like now I'm at the, okay, let's really explore the songs, the music, that sort of thing. So uh, ask me that again next year. <laughs> we'll do it again next year. We'll do it in person yeah. next year. We're gonna there you go, even question. better. Yeah, absolutely. Dave, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I like a lot of the standard songs, you know, like Cripple, Cripple Creek and, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, all those. Um, but I, um, I also um, kind of enjoy, like Brian, you mentioned earlier that you have a teacher, cla- uh, you know, a <laughs> Clawhammer teacher, yeah, who just teaches Clawhammer old, old time and and Irish. And yeah. I kind of like the Irish um, songs too. In fact, right now I'm learning. Um, maybe it's Scottish. It's uh, Lass O'Gowrie. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. And I actually have it in front of me. It's from one of these old banjo newsletters that I used to, you know, get a subscription to. Oh, oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, and this one I got so long ago. It's like a dollar ninety-five, May nineteen ninety-four. Wow. wow. And so it's fun to kind of go through them, and uh, but so I like that and. Um, there's a song that I, I like when I went in, I told you about Liberty banjo in Bridgeport. When I first got into the banjo, I was maybe 20 or whatever. And uh, I went in there and there was a guy sitting down, you know, how people will, they'll play out in the lobby and he was playing Nola on mm-hmm. banjo. And I yeah. thought, that is amazing. What an intricate song. And he's, you know, it's so interesting. It's a piano song basically. Yeah, yeah. And so I learned how to play that. That took me like 20 years to learn how to play. <laughs> and and if I don't play it every day, I, I can't play it. You know, I have to practice mm-hmm. it a lot. Yeah. And um and then and then there's a song uh, that I like that Steve Martin wrote called Pickin' County Turnaround. Oh yeah. That yeah. I like to play. Mm-hmm. And you know, old Joe Clark, things like that. Um, but I do want to get into more of the obscure you know, music that um maybe some of the newer players are coming up with. Mm-hmm. Are there any somebody's asking, are there any ban- are there any banjoists that you've either of you have discovered during the past year during lockdown? I found one in my bedroom. <laughs> he was, uh, <laughs> I thought, where have you been? You're so good. <laughs> um, I, I haven't, um, you mean like on, uh, on uh, music, uh, like on, uh, on YouTube Spotify or something, or something? Yeah, yeah. on the YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> on the YouTube, <laughs> on the world wide web. Uh, I haven't really, uh, I haven't been looking that hard, I guess. <laughs> I found one, uh, actually, and of all things, found them on Facebook. It's the Bridge City Sinners. And they're like a really cool, like, bluegrass goth punk band. And uh, they're, again, kind of a darker sound. Uh, but the lead singer, she plays a banjo lele. Uh-huh. And then they have two other banjos in the band as well as the upright bass. They don't have a drummer. Uh, but yeah, uh, they're they're kind of cool. They're creepy. What was their name again? Uh, Bridge City Sinners. 
cool. Uh, they're not part uh, of the Muppet family, are they? Uh, I believe the Electric <laughs> Mayhem may have uh, <laughs> done a, a, a collab with them, but yeah. They, they are people. <laughs> they have legs. When I was younger, I used to love Neil Young's song, Old Man. Oh, yeah. Oh. And they had that great ban banjo in there, you know, which I think that sounds really cool, you know. And it, it wasn't two years later that I found out it was a six-string banjo that James Taylor Right. right. Yeah. So I thought that was yeah. pretty interesting. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in the six-string banjo, too. Mm -hmm. Well, Kevin, it just so happens that on Wednesday, we have a session at noon as part of Believe in Music called The Versatility of the Six-String Banjo. Really? I'm sure that song will come up Yeah, with, with session uh, model Brad Davis. But that's Wednesday. We're very excited about that because it is, as you say, there's a few songs that will probably stick out to people who hear banjo and then they'll discover down the road that it would maybe a six-string banjo played by somebody who was able to make it sound like a yeah. five string, you know, and so. is it, is, are these podcasts on a live or are they taped? Uh, the set, the one we have on the six ring banjo is coming up on Wednesday at noon as part of believe in music on during banjo or. Mm -hmm. Yep. I can say, I'll email you a link. To oh, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. No problem at all. So yeah, join, join in for that. Cause that, that's a good one. If you want to get into, into that world as well. Um, David, any other questions from the uh, from the audience? We do have one more from Tom Patterson, wondering if Kevin has any particular banjo players or styles he's tr he tries to emulate. Well, we were talking about Mark Johnson earlier. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I like the way he plays. I like that claw grass, and I actually got a claw grass banjo from Deering, so I have to learn how to play that now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I um. Boy, there's so many good banjo players out there, and I forget their names. But uh, I, I typically kind of like watch, oh, you know who I really like is Rihanna Giddens. Is that her oh, name? Oh, yeah. yeah. She's yeah. Right. I mean, that is really what she plays, the way she plays. I mean, talk about, I guess, old time or mm -hmm. claw, claw hammer. I mean, that's really interesting. And the banjo she has, I don't even recognize them. They look like oversized maybe or. When they're fretless. I think a lot of times she plays fretless. Really, I play the chord banjo a lot, which is yeah, you know, kind of an emulation of original banjos before they're kind of modernized with yeah. Metal Where did she get those? There's 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 makers and independent makers that make these these uh, kind of old style of instruments. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I, I DM'd her once. I said, "What kind of banjo is that?" And I don't think I heard back from her, but yeah. um, I thought well, he's on coming up on Deering Live in a, in a week. And uh, you can you can go in the chat then. Oh, oh <laughs> great! We'll give you an exclusive seat to that one, Kevin. And you yeah, can have a, 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 an inroad with Anna on where she finds her, her amazing. Uh, would you send me a would send me a link for that one too? Because you know I'm so busy during the pandemic. <laughs> would, would, you, would, would you like to join our mailing list? We can we can quit yeah, <laughs> yes. Do you accept marketing from Deering? <laughs> cookies. I like any kind of Deering cookies. I gotta say, I think Dulcie Duck also says uh, Jens Kruger. Jens Kruger is another oh. uh, banjo player. If anyone's learning or just kind of coming in here, doesn't really know banjo that well, um, go check out Jens. And Jens also, we're doing a, a masterclass series with him. We just finished the first couple of weeks of it, um, but you can jump in and go to deeringbanjos.com slash masterclass. And that kicks off again uh, next week after Believe in Music Week. So Jens Kruger is definitely worth checking out as probably one of the, one of the best players on the planet right now. What um, uh, is that like Swedish or something? He is German, Swiss, Swiss German. It's Y E N? J E N S. No, I think that's wrong. 
<laughs> now, now I'm doubting myself. J E N S. J E N S. Yes. Gruber. Kruger. K R U G E R. And he's part of the Kruger brothers. Who are um, anyone who's been to the Nam show would have seen them there. They would normally perform at our booth as well. Oh, I think he was. Uh, I think he was on the um, that Zoom thing we did a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the Christmas one. Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah you were on the Christmas call. Yeah. For sure. We're wrapping up and our time is going to expire here, guys, uh, in a second. Um, but before we go, because it's Believe in Music Week um, and because we find ourselves in, in the way the world is right now with the pandemic, et cetera, I want to ask both of you why you believe in music and why it's so important right now. Let's we'll start with Brian. Mm, it's a no big question. question. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I believe in it. I mean, it, it unifies us, right? Like, it's truly global. Um, you can have people in Japan rock out to the same Beatles song that we rock out to here, right? Like, and it's timeless. Uh, there's always going to be new bands, uh, presenting new music, new sound, but the old stuff is still going to exist as long as we all kind of champion it. So, um, I think it's, it's just another, and again, because I come from storytelling, it's another storytelling tool. And for that reason, uh, it adds so much to our culture. It adds so much to society that um, I think it's something that we should hold on to and protect. Um, so that's that's where I stand on music. Couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> Kevin, your turn. Follow up. Yeah. No, I agree with Brian. That's That all makes sense to me. And uh, when you say pandemic, et cetera, it's the et cetera thing that really worries me. Because mm -hmm. uh, I think that vaccine will take a long time coming. Yeah. But um, I think music is kind of like a conduit to our endorphins. It really can turn your mood around. It can make you feel better. It can make you feel sad, depending on music. And um, And I think we're really lucky to have that opportunity to tune into this kind of you know uh you know language that um can yeah. control our emotions it's like meditation almost you know i mean if i get in my car and i go for a drive with the windows down and i play my favorite music i come back i'm a much better person to, <laughs> to be around you know <laughs> i hear you yeah so we're lucky to have music in the world. No matter what you like to listen to, it it really um, it massages. I think it massages your your well being. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. I think it's. Uh, I've always said that there's a few things in the world that can bring everybody together. One of them is food, because food always brings people together, and every you know everyone around the world uh, can get on board with that. But I think everybody has either a piece of music or, or, or a relationship with some kind of music that can evoke memories or trigger different emotions within themselves, like you said. And I think that's, that's the real, most important part. Yeah. It's food. It's food, music, and cricket. Those three things right there. Those are the three. Yep. As an Englishman, I will tell you that I have never watched a game of cricket in my entire life. <laughs> Nor have I watched a game of baseball, but that's a different story. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, listen, any final thoughts for the day? Because I think we're going to sign off and uh, head back over to the Believe in Music crew. Um, practice, practice, practice. Practice, practice, practice. And right. have fun. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Practice and have fun. If you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. All right. 
Cool. Guys, thank you so, so, so much for joining us today. That thank was a you, lot Jamie. of fun. Thanks for having us. And um, was anyone who wants to, you can still register. It is completely free. Please head over to attend.believeinmusic.tv. You can register there um, and you get uh, all the access to all the sessions from us, from all the other manufacturers. Um, and then there's a whole, you know, check out products and, and interact with different brands and that kind of stuff. Uh, kind of like being an show, but um, just in front of your computer. Uh, but they've done a really, really good job of setting this up. And uh, so thank you again to, to the Believe in Music and, and the NAM team because you're doing a great, great thing. Um, and we can't wait to be back in Anaheim in 2022. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. See you. Thank you Bye. so much. See ya. Bye. See ya.